the game's all about. All of a sudden, you feel like you can't miss. I'm just leave it up there. You couldn't make that if you tried that again. Absolutely not. Welcome to Buckets. My name's Matt Moore. I'm the senior NBA writer for the Action Network. And I'm joined by my colleagues, Brandon Anderson, who is going to just take the absolute most insufferable victory lap here in a minute. I'm also joined by Raheem Palmer, who is in Memphis, Tennessee, after he watched the Golden State Warriors get boat raced, get dragged, get taken in. Let's see, let me do all the raw isms. Taken into the deep waters waters and drowned them. Taken behind the shed. All these, all of the raw isms is what happened to the Warriors. Raw house Memphis. Yeah, it was absolutely amazing. Um, I got in late. Like it was, it was tough because like my flight got delayed like seven hours. I thought I was going to be late to the game, but I got here on time and feel bad because I gave out the Warriors minus two and a half. I didn't even get a chance to take it. Um, I ended up taking the Grizzlies first half and it was like never a game. So um, I had been traveling. I would have been able to give up a better update, but that was about as good as a game as it possibly could have been. for me. <laughs> I just want to be clear here, Brandon. He's now victory lapping, not taking a bet. He gave out on this fucking podcast. That's what he's doing right now. He's now I, victory so lapping, not do not betting the thing that he said he was going to bet on this podcast. When he went to Memphis, can you believe the stones on this man? I feel so bad because sometimes like you guys know, I changed my mind a lot before the game and the whole day I was traveling. So it was rough. Yeah. Blame it on travel problems. All right, let's get into this. We're going to break down the Friday games in the National Basketball Association playoffs. We're recording this on Thursday midday. So we have lots to talk about from last night. I'm just going to seed the floor. Brandon, let it fly. The Bucks won the game. And wow, did they ever not deserve to win that game until they deserved to win it at the end. The Celtics, I thought, in the game five at home in a must-win situation, I thought they played their best game of the series, to be honest. Mm-hmm. I thought Boston dominated almost the entire way. They hit a ton of tough, contested shots. We knew they would need to do that in order for them to win games in the series. I thought Boston got a pretty kind whistle. There were not a lot of foul calls outside of the third quarter. That one went Milwaukee's way, but most of the game, I thought the whistle, the physicality went their way. They got huge role-player games. Tice had a monster game. Derek White stepped up. Marcus Smart hit shots until, you know, the last minute. Maybe not so good for him. But Boston... This felt so much like game four, the opposite, where Milwaukee led the whole way, felt like they were having their dominant way and should have been out 15 or 20. And Boston just kind of kept, as Raheem would say, they, they, they took the body blows. They hung in there. They, they, they stayed on the ropes and they just kind of kept taking it and absorbed and they had enough energy to come back late. And I noticed in this one, the way Bud was doing the rotations, they were definitely trying to preserve some Giannis and some energy for the end. And I didn't think it was going to matter because I thought by the time it got there, this game was going to get away. And, and honestly, it should have. The, the Bucs should not have won this game. I'm going to victory lap it because they did, but <laughs> the Bucs shouldn't have won. They got lucky to even have a chance to win. Like how many times did Boston hit the, the dagger and then Milwaukee would come down and shoot a terrible three with like 20 on the shot clock and hit it and be like, oh, okay, we're back to the nine now. Like, that's not a good shot. That's not a good outcome, but it worked. 
and they hung around. Milwaukee went six of six on threes in the fourth quarter. The Celtics didn't take a three-pointer in the fourth quarter. (laughs) Drew had the steal and the block late. Giannis had 40 and 11. First 40 and 10 game in Boston since LeBron game six in the Eastern Conference Finals 2012. We all remember that one. The only other 40-10 games, Elgin, Oscar, and Wilt. So this was an all-time Giannis performance. I call him Thanos. He played the role of Thanos for 47 minutes. And then finally, in the last 30 seconds, the rest of the Avengers showed up and came through and made championship plays. And I think I think Milwaukee is going to deliver the knockout blow in game six. So we'll, we'll talk more about that when I do my bet. But this, it was an awesome game. It has been an awesome series. I don't know. What did you guys think of the game? I thought... Look, I mean, like you said, the Boston Celtics dominated that game. And honestly, it was unfathomable that they, that they lost that game. Like, to me, when Peyton Pritchard hit the turnarounds, step back, fade away, whatever that was, that shot to put it up 14 with about eight minutes to go, I thought this game was over. Um, and, you know, the Celtics have made their fourth quarter runs, but with 12 minutes on the clock, the, the Bucks made this this run with like eight minutes to go. And I think the biggest issue in this game is that it felt like the Celtics beat themselves. They had a lot of turnovers and they had, all, they struggled to get the offensive rebound. They, they, I mean, defensive rebound. I mean, they gave them 17 offensive rebounds, including the, the, the one to Bobby Portis at the end of the game, which pretty much won the game for the Bucks. One thing I'll say about this Celtics team, and I will get back to it later, but I feel like they're resilient. Um, and we've seen that throughout the Tatum Brown era. Like this is a team that, they don't typically back down. So I don't think this series is over. I mean, the Bucs have the best player in the, in the league and they have the advantage as far as offensive rebounding. But I think to me, the Celtics are still the better team. I, 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 I truly believe that. I think you're looking at a better team versus a better player scenario. And oftentimes the better player tends to win out. But I think the Celtics can really push this to seven games. So I think they're live. I think, I think they can win. I'm with Ra. I'm not with mm-hmm. Brandon that it's done. Mm-hmm. Um, we said that about we we were on the other side. You and I were both on Celtics, mm-hmm. and Brandon was right. Yeah. Uh, one thing I will say because like there are all these adages that you try that I like not adages but like kind of guidelines, rules, protocols, whatever for trying to guide through the NBA playoffs. That I try and remember. Here's one that I have not brought up, and I can't believe I've kind of forgot this one because it should have been a big part of the cap in the beginning. So we talked a lot about like the better team that's been like a lot of, that was the cap from you guys to start the series is like the Celtics are the better team. Like they're, they're the better team, especially without mid. I say this a lot. You know, what makes a great team in the NBA, your ability to win when things don't go right. That's like a thing that I don't, I, I can't yeah. believe I got away from that. Cause I've always ascribed to that. Mm-hmm. The Suns are a great example of this. Like things can go badly for them and they will still find a way to win. They do not need to hit shots. They can grind out a defensive win. They haven't lately. We got to talk about that another time. Uh, But with Boston, I don't know, Ra, if they can win when things don't go right. Like, I get it. The Bucs dominated game for most of the way. But when things have turned in this series, when things have not gone to script for them, I don't feel as comfortable for them. Honestly, the best thing about the Bucs is things very rarely go right for them. 
They don't get great shooting performances. They don't get the awesome whistle that they need. They don't get like dominant, like step up role players. They haven't gotten great. Like Drew Holiday wasn't good yesterday until the fourth quarter, but they're so physical. They're so tough. Giannis is a superhuman. Yeah. I'm not want to say he's Thanos. He's not a villain. He's not trying to kill half the world. <laughs> the Bucks, to me, are proof of concept of this idea, which is like, huh, well, we're down 14, and Peyton Pritchard is hitting shots, and Daniel Tice is hitting shots, and we haven't played well, and we've trailed the entire game, and all these things have gone badly, and Grayson Allen's unplayable. Um, how about we just beat the shit out of you for eight minutes? We're just going to beat you up. We're just going to hit you over and over and over and over again. And to me, like there's something to really be said for that. I still think the Celtics are live because despite this, right? Like this is a factor that swings these games. And now we're at like three games in this series that I think were pivotal swing points that the Celtics have missed on all three bucks wins are games where I'm like, you needed to win that one, Boston. And they haven't. I, I don't think game one was that much of a swing because it felt like it felt like the Bucks kind of dominated that game. But I think when you look at game three and game five, those two games are probably going to determine the series, whether it goes to seven or not. And that's tough, right? Yeah, uh, it is crazy because this is the one series where home road has not been the split that it has been the rest of the, the entire conference finals. Mm-hmm. We have one road win in the conference finals outside of Boston, Milwaukee, wild, wild going into the games tonight. Again, we're recording this on Thursday. All right, let's get into it. Celtics box game six in Milwaukee. The bucks are a point and a half favorite. Interesting number. 77% of the money is on uh, tickets are on the bucks. 78% of the money. This is real early. We do not have a lot of bets tracked over at action network. Totals two twelve. 12. Uh, it opened two twelve. It's down to two eleven. Uh, money line is coming in tickets on Boston money on Milwaukee tickets are coming in on the over on the, the, the total. And we don't have money splits yet for the total as we record this. Uh, let's start with the man that feels that he knows this like the back of his hand, Brandon, what's your best bet for game six? Again, you are mischaracterizing me. I do not feel that I know this is the back of my hand. I feel that I have a good position on the number, and that is a very key difference as a better. I never, ever feel like I have any idea what's going to happen in sports. That's the whole point. Really, really, I feel the opposite, that I don't know how things are going to go, and that way I need to take into account when the weird thing can happen, and the weird thing is what happened in Game 5, which is the box victory that I said before, Game five, I said on the podcast, how can the Celtics win games this series? And these were, the, these were the script things that I said. They needed to hit shots. We knew that. They hit a lot of tough shots in that game. They needed the kind whistle. They really got a kind whistle, I thought, for most of that game. And they needed to win late. And they had a chance to do that and did the opposite of it. To me... Why? So I'm taking the Bucks to win and cover here. And I'm not saying, oh, it's over. The series is done. This is a wrap. The Celtics are a great team. The Celtics can win this game. The Celtics can win this series. They could win more. That's how sports goes. But I love this number to be getting the Bucks basically just to win by a bucket at home in a spot where Boston is coming off of that loss in that way. 
and in a spot where I saw game five and Matt, you talked about kind of the, the Celtics ability to not win ugly for, for me that I think about, like we, I talked about floor a lot in this series. And for me, this is like a, what percentile outcome, what game was that for you? Milwaukee was bad in game five. They turned it over all game long. Nobody but Giannis showed up. He carried them completely in the second quarter, the third quarter. Grayson Allen was playing for Boston. Like Grayson Allen was absolute garbage in this game. They hunted him mercilessly. He was turning it over when he had the ball. He's getting scored on every time on the other end. Milwaukee was bad. This was like, at best, a 25th percentile game for Milwaukee. I thought this was an 85th or better percentile game for Boston. They hit shots. They defended awesome. They played great basketball. And it is really troubling to me that if you play that good of basketball at home in a huge spot and still don't win that game against the teams among their worst efforts, then I don't know how I can come back on the road here in this new spot and take Milwaukee. I was getting worried as game five played out because the matchups were starting to swing back the other way. The Daniel Tice small ball lineup was really killing Milwaukee and some of those role players were showing up, but Milwaukee had an answer to that late. They finally uh, switched quite literally. They, They switched their defense And Boston went really slow and ISO heavy late in the game. That is a hugely winning formula for Milwaukee. I don't think the series is over in that Boston can win. I just think it's going to be over after game six because I like the Bucs. I will take them to cover. I don't know how to dress for a Celtic funeral. So I dressed for a Viking funeral today. I think this is the end for Boston. I have to disagree with you when you say this was an 85 percentile game for the Celtics. I mean, first things first, look, I've been saying it all year long. I felt like Jason Tatum has the ability to be one of the best players in a playoff series. Now, he did that against the Nets, who don't have a good defense, but he hasn't really done that against the Milwaukee Bucks. What? I mean, what? I mean, my man, he had 34 last night. No, no, hear me. Let me, let me finish my sentence. He had 30. I know he had 34, but he was 12 of 29 from the field and he was two of 11 from three. The rest of the team, they pretty much shot 40% from three and they shot much better than the Bucks overall. But if you take away Tatum's long range shooting, it's, it's like the Celtics were pretty much 56% from the field as a team. But Tatum was just so bad. Like as far as, you know, hitting his long range shots that I don't think this is an 85% game. I think there's another level that he can get to. And I mean, I, we haven't seen it thus far, but I, to me, I don't think the Celtics played their best game. Like when you look at what are the issues that they had turnovers and offensive rebounds, they gave up 17 offensive rebounds. Um, the Bucks had seven offensive rebounds in the fourth quarter. You know what I mean? Like the, the Celtics had six total rebounds in the last 12 minutes of the game. I'm a Brandon because I'll tell you this. Here, here, you're saying like the Celtics did not have an 85th percentile game, despite the fact that they shot the lights out outside of Tatum. Tatum's going to have low percent. Like Giannis's efficiency is going to be poor. You don't want to lie. They're the primary options against the two best defenses that we have remaining in the playoffs. Do we agree these are the two best defenses left? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Then like those guys are not going to have efficient nights. Like nobody, like honestly, the fact that that, like I'm looking towards, I'm going to be, spoiler alert, I'm going to, the under is going to be my best bet in this game. Like yeah. it's going to be an absolute grind. 
I, I mean, the fact that it's, it's moving, it said it. I mean, it went yeah. down from 212 to 11. I said so, that. like, th- this is going to be a grind anyway, right? And it's switching defense, and that's tough. You mentioned the offensive rebounds. Look, this is the thing that if you're going to switch everything with as the Celtics do, it's why I kind of laugh when there's this talk about, like, the Celtics defense. They're very locked in, and they're very good about communicating on switches. They have a bunch of really good defenders. Like, Tatum is, like, honestly, like, he's an A-level defender. Jalen Brown's an A-level defender. Marcus Smart is a plus. Like Derek White is probably B plus. Um, Robert Williams is A plus when he plays. Horford is A. Like they have all these great defenders. But if you're going to switch, your bigs are going to be up. Like your bigs are going to be, and you're facing a bigger, more physical team. To me, like the offensive rebounding is not like that's not a uh, that's not something that's easy for them to, to clean up versus yeah. this team. But I, I think in in the fourth quarter, it was like. It was work. It was bad on a different level. Oh, I mean, letting the they, they literally both hit the ball. Like two Celtics players hit the ball on the game on the game yeah. winner from Portis. Bad luck. Yeah, that yeah, was. Like, bad I, I, I just think it was it was on a different level there. And then also they had a bunch of turnovers. I, I, just, I just think they play a really bad fourth quarter. I mean, I mean, you could say the same thing about the Bucks in games three and four. This is a coin flip series, and I think yeah. to me, when I look at this series, it just feels like a seven game series. Now, it, Giannis can change that, but hey, I bet I bet Celtics plus one and a half, and they went down two one, right? And I'm feeling I'm feeling fine on that. Yeah. Uh, so, Brandon, just to be clear here, you almost never bet sides outright, and like Celtics minus one and a half is your or Bucks minus one and a half is your best bet. Bucks minus one and a half is my best bet. I've seen minus ones out there, so you might be able to get that if you watch for it. But I will just take the Bucks to win and cover. That's my best bet. Okay, Ra, okay, I'm, I'm on the other side. What's your best I'm, bet? I'm, I'm going um, Celtics and under. Like, I like both of those. Okay. All right. Um, yeah, so I've got here, – here's a trend for you. I looked up game sixes where the teams had two days off, mm-hmm. uh, and the splits are really kind of interesting in terms of how this goes round by round. So, overall, for the playoffs, if you don't believe that the round matters, if you're just like, no, I just want to know, like, what's the mm-hmm. overall performance. Um, in the playoffs, game six, two days off. The under is 67 and 53. That's 55.8%, 56%. That's a pretty good return. When we get into the first and second round, that improves to 53 and 38. Conference finals are 11 and 11 to the under, and NBA finals, three and four uh, to the, uh, it's four and three to the over. So we have an overall trend for game sixes going under. We have a round specific trend going to the under. Uh, that combined with the line movement, to me, that's the best value here. We're out of adjustments here, guys. Like that's that is my big thing here is like there are no adjustments left. When you get to game six, by game seven, you're really out, and it's really just like throw up some stuff and hope it goes in, right? And the game seven unders are are always what we play. I think there's real value on game six, maybe even more because the trend isn't as high. You're not, yeah. not going to get priced in the way that game seven. What did you have the game six unders at? Game six of overall for the playoffs, it is. I actually have it. I have it 81 63. That's 56.3%. That's what I have it. Game six so is what's, overall. What's the time frame for your guys? No, for, for 2003. Under. 2003 since Bet, for, for Bet Labs. Yeah, yeah. I have like, yeah. I, I, for Bet Labs, I have it 81 63, 56%. Okay. Well, I've got this. Is, I'm just looking at postseason game six and six, betting on the under. Home team is have between. I did two and two days off is what I did rock. Cause I want to look at exactly the, the rest gap that we talked about for various series in that first round. I want yeah. to take a look at it. When you do just game six unders, you're right. It goes to 56%, 81, 63. 
I will say uh, to bolster both of your arguments, the other bet I considered for a best bet here was I looked at just taking the Celtics team under. So I want your opinion on this. I I think, Matt, that there maybe are still some adjustments happening because what I noticed looking for some props here. So I played Al Horford three-pointers in this game. Didn't go well for me. Horford had been taking like seven three-point attempts per game. He's getting a ton of shots up. He went 0 for 2 in this game. And as I would say, the two is the problem, not the zero. Grant Williams, 0 for 2, I think didn't score in this game. Meanwhile, the thing that Boston didn't do all series was make two-pointers. In this game, in game five, Boston was 32 of 51, 63% on two-pointers. So as you watch the game, like to me, looking at the numbers, that says, oh, was Milwaukee closing out on these shooters and taking the shots away, but then they left things open under and Boston was getting easy stuff. That's what the numbers look like. But what I saw, I think, was a lot of Tatum and Brown hitting 18-foot pull-ups and just hitting a lot of tough playoff shots and Marcus Smart pulling up and hitting some tough shots. And so that's why I'm like, okay, if the three-point volume is going away from some of these role players and if some of the two-point variance probably evens out, that makes me, that two things, that makes me like the Boston under and that's part of why I like Milwaukee here. Did, does any of what I just described sound like what you saw or did the numbers bear out in that way for you? Yeah, I think so. I think if you look at it, um, so Boston had 50 points in the paint. They go to the switch all defense in the fourth and it's, they still have 12. They have 24%. They have basically like the exact amount that they should have for that. Right. I think some of that's probably, probably going to be factored into with fast break points. Um, I think the Bucks. Definitely, I think, started being a little bit more focused on the perimeter. The thing I want to caution you on is if you're the Bucks coaching staff and the Bucks and you're in a film session and you look at that, that, that whole game and you look at it the same way that we've talked about, like they know, like we trailed by 14 with eight minutes left based off of the strategy. Horford had two three-point attempts. Grant had two three-point attempts. And we were down 14 with eight to go. Do you stick with that? Or do you go back the other way and play drop? I'm going to be like, we talked about this last night. We're going to hit the Brett, the Brooke Lopez unders, because I just think that Mm -hmm. you can, you can play drop with Giannis. It's not good. I want to be stressed. I want to stress this Giannis and drop is not good. Like this was a regular season thing for him. Like that. This is regular season as great of a defender as Giannis is. This is not something that he has done enough playing center to be comfortable with. He had to play a shit ton of center this year with Brooke out. He was bad at drop all year. It's not good. But what you will do with drop is you will limit three-pointers and you will limit at the paint. You will give up Jason Tatum, Derek White, Jalen Brown coming off that pick and hitting those mid-range shots. So, like, that part of your analysis I think is sound. I think the Bucs will probably play more drop until the fourth, and I think they'll probably do this again. You play drop until the fourth, and then you hit them with the switch. And when it gets tough, that's when you really – Start to take him into the deep water, as Rob would say. Is it deep water or shallow water? Yeah, yeah. it's deep, deep waters. <laughs> How do you take somebody in deep water? Because you drown too. Shouldn't you take him in the shallow water? I don't know. I, it's, it's, it's actually boxing terminology. Um, very confusing, question, very Lisa. confusing analogy. If, it's, if, it's, they're, it's, uh, if they're already Larry Holmes status, then it's easy to take them in the deep water. Yeah. <laughs> you just got to throw all the analogies together. Okay. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I would say that like my, my hesitation, I think, on the Celtics team total. 
is if we kind of like if we look at the trend of the series mm-hmm. and we go game by game um and we take a look at how the offenses have fared so brandon here here's the offensive ratings from from start to finish for uh boston okay 89 118.5 in game two we expected them to bounce back they had to win that game game three 99 uh but game three 118.4 game four 150 or uh, game four 118.4 game five 115.1 so their offense has kind of gotten going the more the series has gone, which makes sense. If these two teams are defense first and they're exhausted, that's where I think the stress starts to hit. I don't think that it's a good play on the over for the combined total because of the pace of this series. Like they're just throwing up stuff against each other. But like, I would worry a little bit about playing a team total in the event that like Milwaukee scores 90 and the Celtics score like 112. Yeah, and just to be clear, I'm not playing the team total. That just that was an angle I looked at, and you guys both are playing the 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 total, the over, or sorry, the the under overall. And I feel like I feel like we all kind of had a similar logic to get there. So I'm probably not going to play a total, but if I would, definitely the under is the direction that I would go. Now, on to Sleeper. Sleeper is the fastest growing fantasy platform today with millions of players. You probably already have a fancy league on there. I use it for mine. It's a game-changing product unlike anything else in the industry. And now, you can win on Sleeper by playing their new over-under game. It's super simple. First, in any sport, choose two or more players that you like and pick their over or under. For example, number of points in basketball or hits in baseball. Then, choose the amount of money you want to enter into the contest. If you pick correctly, you can win anywhere from two to over 20 times the money you put in. The main reason I'm excited about Over Under on Sleeper is that's the only app where I can join my buddy's contest and play together. It's got a built-in group chat where I can see and copy my friend's picks with a tap of a button. It's insanely fun to write it out together. So stop what you're doing and download Sleeper now to play their new over-under game. Have fun with your friends and make some money. Make sure to use promo code BUCKETS and Sleeper will match your deposit up to $100. Again, download Sleeper and use promo code BUCKETS when you deposit. Term and conditions apply. See Sleeper's terms of use for details. Okay, back to the show. I don't see any prop lines up yet, but just the angles I'm looking for. Brooke Lopez unders, like you said, boy, I gave his over points and rebounds out the last couple of games. It was great two games ago, and then he couldn't stay on the court in game five. So that one is done. The flip side of that is somebody has to play. So Bobby Portis. So I think you're playing Lopez unders. You play Portis overs. Portis had 15 and 14 rebounds. He had a huge game, obviously had the big putback late. The other one is again, you have to, I don't know how you can keep giving Grayson Allen so many minutes after you watch what you just saw. I don't know how it happened in the moment because he was garbage, but I have to believe Pat Connaughton is going to get minutes and more minutes. He had Mm -hmm. 31 minutes this game. He hit two threes late in the game. He's got that quick release, that weird high catch and shoot. That's just working for him. He now has this season 15 times he's played more than 30 minutes. He's had at least three three three-pointers in 12 of the 15 games. And three threes, his line has been one and a half threes. So his line is just to get two. To get three, you're getting like plus 180, I think it was, in last game. So I'll be looking for Pat Connaughton, three-pointers, overs, and alt-overs, and points as well. 
and uh, probably some Bobby overs Lopez under combo because you're kind of playing the same angle with those. The props are up at FanDuel. I just I just pulled them up. Oh, uh, well, they weren't an hour ago. No props right now on Brooke Lopez. Oh, wow. uh, you're right. That's that's what I meant. You're, you're, there are some props, but the guys that we want are not there yet. They will be though. They have to post example because like okay, if I was looking at, like mm-hmm. what's the alternative if if Grayson plays fewer minutes, and I'm not sure he's going to you just don't have the wings. They got to spell these guys somehow. Mm-hmm. This is what's annoying. All right, Wes Matthews over one and a half is plus one oh eight. Oh, what a good number. Oh, plus one oh eight. Oh, what what's his what's his one plus made three? Yeah, that one is minus six hundred. The fuck is that line? Minus six hundred to hit one and plus one yeah. and plus one oh eight for two? Come yeah, on. That now. that number is we know people are gonna build same game parlays, parlays. and we don't want to just let them add freebie stuff to yeah. boost the number in there. Don't don't ever add those minus six hundreds into your same games because one mm-hmm. of them doesn't hit and it goes poorly. Just to add on to what you're saying, Matt, I don't know if they're gonna play Grayson that much less. I'm not taking Grayson unders. Because even if he plays less, he might just hit a couple threes in the time he does play and you're out anyway. So I, I want the Pat overs. I don't want Grayson unders in combo. The Bobby and Lopez one is more of a combo. Let's talk real quick about futures. Um, mm-hmm. So I bet I was hitting. I said that you need to bet these teams to win the title. That was my best bet for the series. Like whoever loses, bet, bet that team to win the title. FanDuel for a few precious sweet days, we're, we're mm-hmm. having exact results for Eastern conference finals that you could bet now. So I was hitting bucks over heat plus 700 bucks over Sixers plus 700 a couple of days ago. They have uh, very sadly, I'm hoping they come back up and I will be hitting them again. But as of right now, those are off the board. They're back to just conference winners. Um, that said, the Celtics moved to 10 to one to win the NBA title. I still think there's value there. Brandon does not. And he'll tell you why. I still think there's value at 10 to one. That's a great number for a team as good as this that honestly will not be, but I think should be favored in any series. If they win two games in a row, that's it. They need to win two games in a row. And I think they're favored the rest of the way. That's good enough value for me. Now, I also bet as I have done throughout the year, I've been betting finals matchups throughout the year. I talk about all the time, but I added a significant Mm -hmm. add on bucks warriors. You can get plus four fifty right now for that to be the finals matchup. I had that one. I already have Suns futures. I'm good there. Like, bear in mind, like everything I do is hedged. But if you are like, I think the Bucks and Warriors are going to be the finals matchup. You can still get a really good number now. And that's going to drop a lot if the Bucks wind up winning this series that they are up 3-2 in. Brandon, tell me why Celtics 10-1 to is a bad bet. So, again, the Celtics absolutely can win the series. The Celtics absolutely could make the finals and win the title. All of that is still in play. They're not dead. They're a very good team that could win these bets. So, by that measure, if you want a Celtics ticket, you're not going to get a better number than this. And if you think that they're going to win and they do win, then it's going to pay out the best payout you can get. I just don't think you're getting good value on the number here. And my whole angle is playing the number and getting the best value on the number. Boston is at best 30% to win the series. They, they have to win a coin flip game and then win a home game that they will not be as heavy a favorite in because Giannis is on the other side and they've already lost twice at home to him. So so every, everything else after that, regardless of what you think about them playing Miami or Philadelphia or anyone from the West, they still, whatever the odds are of that happening, 
you have to shrink by more than two thirds because the most likely outcome, if you bet on the Celtics futures right now, your most likely outcome is you have a ticket for one day. They lost. They're the underdog. Your ticket is dead after one game. That is the most likely outcome for Celtics future. For me, I would put them sub 25% to win the series somewhere around there. And then I have to go back to the thing that Raheem has talked a lot about. The cost of losing game five is not just that Boston is the underdog now. The cost is that now you have to play two more games in the toughest series in the entire playoffs against this physical team. Your best case scenario is winning a seven game absolute gauntlet battle. And then coming off of a seven game series after all this, after the battle of these two rounds so far, even the Nets games were not easy work for them. And then having to go forward with all that uh, attrition on them with all those miles on them. So you're at an, at a disadvantage because of game five, you are not getting the same Celtics team against the heat, against the warriors, the Suns, whoever you're getting a different, lesser version of Boston now that you have to account for the number. So for me, I wouldn't bet Boston futures right now. If you like Boston, that's okay. Play them in game six, play them to win the series. You're going to get a worse number later, but better value on the number when you play it. I wouldn't play Boston anything shorter than 600 to, to make the finals or 1200 or longer to win the title. And mm-hmm. we're just not going to get that number right now. Uh, yeah. I, I- I think Brandon actually, um, I think he made the correct take on this. Um, I mean, when he broke it down from a math perspective, like he said. I got the math, was, though. Let me, let me no, no, the he, math. Yeah, you give me the math. Because the primary thing that he's off on is 30% to win the series. No, he, I think he's right about that. And I'm going to tell you why. Because if you assume, let's just say we put the Celtics at 52% to win. Let's, let's do it. Like, um, No, here. I got it right here. Look, I put him at plus 150. That's 40%. Plus one fifty to win this series. No, I put I put him at sixty six percent or better to win the next two series. That's how much I like them in those series. But no, but hear, hear me out. Hear me out. So you have let's say they're let's say they're fifty two percent to win Game Six, and then let's be generous and say they're sixty three percent to win Game Seven. That's like thirty two. That's thirty percent. Like he said, that's like thirty two percent to win the series. So, oh, but you, but you, you said in your analysis, you said that I still think it's a coin flip series. I do, but it's just, look, so, I mean, I'm just, I'm just taking numbers from a model right here for a game. I get it. If you take it game by game, I get it. Like that's the person yeah. you want to take. And it I, I think that that's where, that's where Brandon is taking it. So it's like, I, 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 I tend to lean with you because I do think it's a good place to take a shot. And that's where futures are. You're taking a shot. Yeah. Like I'm just so saying, it's like, I, I agree with you in that sense, but I think Brandon is right from a math perspective. So, I mean, if you think if you think that it's a coin flip series, then mm-hmm. the Celtics have to win two coin flips. The odds of winning two coin flips is one out of four. That's 25 percent. Yeah. I hear you. I hear you. I just think I'm looking at it from the totality of the series. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, for me, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a person who this is one of my favorite spots in the NBA playoffs. It's if I feel like a team is a better team and they're in game six and they have to win one and they're probably going to be favored in game seven. I like to take that bet all the time. So I would totally take the Celtics to win this series. Um, the only reason why I'm not going to take it is because they don't have the best player. And I think that's what scares me. But I'm not mad at Matt for taking to, this. To, to be clear, 
I would be fine with you taking Boston to win game six and Boston to win the series. I think the value is fine there if your cap is that you like Boston right now. I just think that, uh, that there's not value taking them past that right now because the rest of the numbers after that are not in your favor once they get through the two-game battle in but, the seven games. But here's the thing I think you're neglecting is that the Heat and the Sixers could also go to game seven. Like that's that true. series that series isn't over yet either. So we could be looking at two game sevens it's and over. It's over. I'll say it right now. I'm going to go ahead and say it. it's over. They can win game six. It's done. They're not winning in. No, but I'm, I'm, I'm just saying, but I mean, but it could go game right. seven still. Yeah. Go, go to game seven. And it's just like, that's where Brandon is talking about. There's no value on the yeah. Celtics. And, and, and the Suns and the Warriors could go to seven also. So like, yeah, as things stand right now, they're the one that would have to go to seven, but that's, that's the problem. I, the last thing I'll say is, Milwaukee futures, if, if you like Milwaukee, Milwaukee futures still have value. I would put their title odds at about plus 250, maybe 300 max right now. And you're getting a longer number than that. So you missed the best number, but if you like it, there's still value there. I'm making a new rule. Whoever gets the victory lap of the day, they get the last word on, the, on these segments. That's going to be the, the, the new word. I, I like that. I like that. I'm going to give you it today, but going forward, whoever gets the victory lap, they get the last word. All right. Uh, Brandon's going to talk so much on this podcast podcast all right last game uh to talk about we're gonna do this one real quickly because quite honestly i got like a whole bunch of shrug emoji on this memphis grizzlies going to golden state no john morant opens at nine it's down to eight and a half opens 219 it's down to 217 and a half i'll be on the under on this one as well raw you were at this game i have no fucking idea i have no idea i have no, no way to expect this no, like, I need to be clear on this. The whole, like, they're better without draw. You didn't say that when they lost game game four or game five. Like, what yeah. like, what are we doing here? Or game four. Game four, like, what are you doing? Jaw has been great in the series. Jaw wins this matchup. Jaw's great against the switch. Jaw's targeting Jordan Poole. I do not know what to happen here. Desmond Bain looks like his back is fixed. He talked about it post-game that he's feeling better. That messes me up. I don't know what to do with the Warriors. Like, they should absolutely win this game. They should trounce them. This should be a spot that Brandon should be looking at like minus 39 and a half or whatever for the Warriors. I'm not overreacting to last game because I tend to throw that out. You lose yeah. by 50 in this in the literally one one team, one team in NBA history has lost by 50 or more in it and won the series. And it was back in 1956. That's what we're talking about here. It was a three game series featuring the St. Louis Hawks. That's how far we have to go back for this. But I just can't make any sense of that. I have to throw it out and just yeah. forget about it. Mm-hmm. What the hell do we do with this game, Raw? You, you know, the, the interesting thing is, look, I think game three and game five were extreme anomalies. And I think people didn't throw out game three. I don't think they threw it out at all. And it seems like that could be the case here. But here's the one thing that has remained constant throughout this entire series is that the Warriors are turning the ball over at will. Like, and the biggest thing, like they have a 15% turnover rate, but in the first half of games, they're turning the ball over almost 12 times a game. And what has that resulted to? That's resulted to the Grizzlies winning the first half in every single game, except for game three, as they cooled off in the second quarter. But who won that first quarter? The Grizzlies won the first quarter. So I think the play here is the Grizzlies first half. Look, they say it's hard to close out a team. And we see this this Grizzlies team has some resilience. I've been saying that all year long. And 
this this Golden State Warriors team, people look at them as this veteran team because they have Steph Curry and Draymond Green and the Larry Holmes version of Clay Thompson and Iguodala, who's also Larry Holmes status. But the rest of these guys, like I said before, they're running with kids like Mike Bivens, another bad creation. Like all these guys are just, they're not experienced. Andrew Wiggins, he's played in one playoff series where he was basically Jimmy Butler's weed carrier. Otto Porter, he's had some time with, the Washington Wizards. Everybody else doesn't have that playoff experience. So this Grizzlies team, in some ways, they might be a little bit more battle-tested than some of the guys you see on this Warriors team. And I think you're seeing that. Like, they just – this is not the 2015, 2016, 2017 Warriors. So it's going to be a struggle to get through some of these series. So I think the the, the Grizzlies have – I mean, they continue to push the pace in transition even without John Morant. And with the way that the Warriors turn the ball over, I think this is going to be a game for at least half the game. I don't want to play the full game because we all know that the Warriors can kind of blitz this team and get get out of hand. But give me the first half. So, Brandon, before I get to you, I just want to like give some perspective on the number. This opens at nine. It moves to eight and a half. All right. Uh the tickets and money right now are on Memphis. We're tracking three early sharp moves on Golden State. So what I think is happening here, if my read on this is right via the Action Network app, which you should mm-hmm. download right now, track all your bets, is that what we've got is the books are basically saying because of this blowout game, we think the public is going to be so far on Memphis that we're not going to react to the sharp moves. We'll take the sharp money on Golden State because we think we're going to get volume on Memphis, which is why it goes from nine mm-hmm. to eight and a half. That's my read on it. Does that sound right, Ra? Yeah. Okay. Brandon. And that's why I don't want to take the full game because I just I, I think there's something fishy about that number. And I think the only I could totally see the Warriors blowing them out in the second half. Uh, Ra, do you like the under in this? Um, what are we sitting at? Two two twenty four. Yep. Um, no, it's way way down. Two seventeen. Oh no, two seventeen and a half. It went open two nineteen. It's down to two seventeen and a half. That's. I mean, honestly, just because my and I, I you know, I thought about this because I um the last game they opened it at two twenty. I mean, we've been sitting at like two twenty fours for through a lot of this series. Um, and it's just about my numbers just don't match up to put it like going under by that much. And then also with the Warriors turning the ball over and transition so much and yeah. then shooting too many threes, I just think at some point we might've gotten too low. I'm going to play. I won't play as heavy as I will the other one. I'm still going to play under. And the reason uh, mm-hmm. Dylan Brooks, that, that's the reason why I'm going to do that. Brandon, what's your best bet for this game? So I'm going to take Raheem's alley-oop and slam it home. I agree that Memphis is probably going to show up and keep this close for a while. And when they do, Warriors home third quarter. Take me home, baby. I'll stake the Warriors to win the third quarter. I think this game either is close or the Grizzlies are still ahead or the Warriors are like kind of starting to pull away. And either way, we get to the third quarter. We get to the avalanche. We know it's probably going to come. I don't think it's a certainty at this point. I, I tend to agree with Raheem at this point that in this series, I think the Warriors have gotten a bit overvalued. and there are some worrying signs going forward. The Grizzlies can win the series still, even without John Morant. Like they're not totally dead in the water. The Warriors 
because of how they play, because of the way the turnovers rack up, they could lose this. But the most likely outcome is Grizzlies run out of gas on the road. The Warriors pull away late. That's why I like the third quarter. Mm-hmm. I also, <clears throat> there's, there's no props up yet for this one. But I'm only looking for Draymond Green props and probably rebounds in particular. I think an area where they will surely emphasize after the last game is just toughness and physicality and the yeah. glass and Steven Adams. And that has to be Draymond Green. Like, look, nothing about game five surprised me. It's why I don't think, I don't think any of us played the side because we all know the Warriors can just do this. They can just not show because they thought they had this series one jaws out. It's on the road. We got this. We know we we knew that this is like it's part of their thing. It's part of the charm of the Golden State Warriors that they just kind of give a game away sometimes. It's just so charming of them. But now is when Draymond Green in particular says, All right, enough with that. Let's finish the job now. So I'm looking for Draymond to show up and have a big game. He's only averaging 7.4 rebounds per game in the series. But remember, he basically missed the whole game. He missed half of the first game. He missed half of this game now because of the garbage time. Take that out, and he's more like 9.3. I think he gets double-digit rebounds. Maybe he ends up – I'll have to look at like double-double or something like that. Not that he actually scores points, but looking for some Draymond overs. And I just think Warriors third quarter, most likely outcome is, is Raheem's thing too. This, it stays closed for a while, and they mm-hmm. just kind of run out of gas. Raw in the first half, do you need the points, or do you want to play the money line? I need the points. Absolutely, because I, I like the Warriors tend to make runs at the end of the first half too. Because you know Steph, the way his rotation minutes tends to line up, um, so it's just like I would need the points. Absolutely. Okay, uh, if you I can't get get the same game on the 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 first half spread, but if you want to take the the Grizz money line and the Warriors third quarter, that's plus three thirty four on same game. So you just what about you can you can also do I don't know if it'll be up yet, but most books do the halftime full time thing. So if yep. you want the money line, you won't be able to do it with the cover, but you could do Grizzlies to lead at the half, Warriors to win. You can bet that before the game and probably get a pretty decent number on that too. Yeah. So I, the other thing too, the cost of this game I think is going to be bigger for the Warriors than it feels like right now, and we've seen this happen to them in the past. Otto Porter has been really good for them this series. And if he's hurt and misses, like he's a real loss in this mm-hmm. series in particular, but going forward. Especially with GP2 already out. Yeah. Like that they're they're losing some bodies now. They're not losing their top names, but these are important guys. Mm-hmm. And also they lost a chance to get a possible like four-day rest advantage over the Suns and have a really good chance to basically steal game one on the road and steal home court after everything from the season. They blew that now too. So the part of my thing with with Buck Celtics this whole time has been slowly losing faith in the other half of the conference. And I think the Warriors, I'm slowly losing some faith there. Warriors better win this game. Yeah. They need, they need it. You, they go, you really, go back to, you go back to Memphis. I know they won game one in Memphis, but that was a close game. Jaw had a game winner, like ready. And they haven't ruled Jaw out for the entirety of the season. They said that he's doubtful for the postseason. We'll see. Yeah. But like you do yeah. not want to go back to game yeah. seven. I really want to touch. I would really want to touch on the, the, the job thing before this podcast ends, because, you know, you got people saying that the Grizzlies are better without job. And look, game game four, you saw jobs bite because when the game is close and you need a guy who can break down the defense and half court and get his own shot, that's where they lost that game. 
So it's like you can you can look at game five where the Warriors had a bunch of turnovers, the Grizzlies got out in transition, but the playoffs are about having a guy who can get you a basket at the end of the game. We saw it with Giannis. He got them a basket at the end of the game. And without that, the Grizzlies are, I mean, look, it's, they're clearly underdogs to boots. I actually have, a, I actually have a, a one more betting trend I want to touch on this. Yeah. Um, uh, the Warriors on the road after Steph Curry says the game plan is to whoop that trick are 0 and 1. So <laughs> maybe don't, maybe don't do that. Yeah, that yeah. was a, that was a bad sign. We, we should have known when that yeah, came when out. he said that we should have just been like, Oh, we're hitting, we're hitting Grizzlies. <laughs> I did, I yeah. did, I did file away. Like I am not touching the Warriors after that, but I should have known enough to just go to the other side. You know, I think that's the, that's the, that's the one thing that we have where we do these podcasts the day before is that, so much of handicapping is that looking at the lines um, and looking at how people overreact. The Grizzlies were two and a half point underdogs for much of this series at home. Um, I think at one point they were two point underdogs. And we've been saying all year long, the Grizzlies are 20 and five without John Morant. This line went up to four. Um, and there's no way I was going to be able to bet the Warriors at four in a closeout game on the road. Knowing what we know about the team's lack of experience outside of the championship course. Sure. So, yeah. and it, it's, it's just like, we did, obviously I didn't, I was traveling yesterday, so yeah, I didn't have a yeah, chance no. to update yeah, everybody. Yeah, no, victory lap on a, after you went the other way on this podcast. <laughs> no, that's nice. I like that. That's not, just just dig the knife into all the, all the good things. I'm, I'm sorry. <laughs> all right, that's going to wrap it up for Buckets. Thanks for joining us. We'll be back tomorrow with a, week, with a weekend preview. Uh, thanks for joining us, everybody. We'll see you guys again mm-hmm. next time. Let's get Buckets.